episode 39. You're listening to Vox Talk, the voiceover industry's number one podcast, brought to you by Voices.com. It's about voice acting, growing your business, and sharing your knowledge. Vox Talk is a show that you can be a part of. Getting involved is both fun and rewarding. It's time for this week's episode of Vox Talk with your host, Stephanie Cicerelli. Hi guys, I'm Stephanie and welcome to Vox Talk. Today we're joined by Betty and Boca, Amy Taylor, and Adam Fox. As they say in the biz, on with the show. The Loop, informing you of news and current voiceover events. In audiobook news, Washingtonian.com reports that Broadway actor and Harry Potter narrator Jim Dale took time to share his experiences at the Borders bookstore in Bethesda, gaining a whole new audience by giving voice to Harry, Hermione, Severus Snape, Voldemort, and more. The 17-disc audio set of the final installment, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, is selling almost as quickly as the book. Not only was Dale one of the first people to know the fate of Harry and his friends, he was also one of the first to come up with voices for J.K. Rowling's characters. He even earned a spot in the Guinness Book of World Records for providing the most voices in an audiobook thanks to his work on Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, in which there were 134 characters. To learn more about Jim Dale, Google Jim Dale and Harry Potter or visit Jim's website, jim-dale.com. In voiceover news, it appears that South African advertisers prefer women to be seen and not heard. AllAfrica.com reports that recent studies covering 1650 radio, television, print and billboard advertisements in South Africa, Mauritius, Zambia and Zimbabwe aim to establish how women and men are represented and portrayed in advertising, monitored over a period of two weeks last December. Men's voices dominated in voiceovers, a finding in line with global research. At 24%, South Africa and Zimbabwe had the lowest proportion of female voiceovers in the entire study. To learn more about this study and read the full article, go to allafrica.com or visit the Vox Talk show notes. In closing, an interview with Nancy Cartwright, the voice of Bart Simpson, has been published on OrlandoSentinel.com. One little-known fact shared in the interview was that as a child, Nancy Cartwright made her hero, the famous voice actor Dawes Butler, voice of Yogi Bear, among others, her pen pal. To read the interview, go to OrlandoSentinel.com and search for Nancy Cartwright in their entertainment section. The Biz, helping you grow your voiceover business. Today in the biz, Betty and Boca is joined by Amy Taylor as they present us with another comical slice of life, this time about voiceover jargon and the average Joe. Hi, this is Betty and Boca. Has this ever happened to you? You go to get the mail, but you hurry back in because you don't want another discussion with your neighbor about what you do for a living. No matter how many times you've explained to her what you do, she still doesn't seem to get it. Yo-ho, Betty. Come here. I've been meaning to talk to you about your little problem. What? All right, I'm just going to come out and say it. You have to get a job. All right, there I said it. I have a job. I'm an independent contractor. You know what, Betty? Everybody wants that perfect job with the big fancy title. But let me give you a clue. You're not too good for Big Burger. You could get a job there, you know. It doesn't make sense for me to work at Big Burger. I'd have to work there a month to earn what I just got for cutting a few spots with no editing and just a few pickups. Pickups? That's disgusting. What kind of work is that? And how can you possibly expect to earn steady income doing that at your age? 
but I'm actually doing pretty well. I, I get privates all the time. This is shocking. You need to get off the phone and get a decent job. I'm not on the phone. I'm in my bedroom closet. All right, that does it. I'm calling the police. Ugh. It's bad enough that we all have friends, relatives, and neighbors who don't understand what we do for a living. But if you use any of our slang around them, you're done. So tell me your story. Email me at bettyandboca at earthlink.net. And thanks to Amy Taylor for supplying the voice of my neighbor. I gotta go. Thank you, Betty and Amy. To let Betty know about any experiences you've had with people outside of voice acting, send her an email to bettyinboca at earthlink.net. Tech Talk, walking you through the technological landscape. This week in Tech Talk, Adam Fox shares some great tips for how to pick appropriate music beds to accompany your voiceover recordings. One name strikes the hearts of post-production talent everywhere with fear. In my intrepidation, I cannot say the name, but his initials are Adam Fox. There, I said it. I'll deal with the consequences. You just enjoy the show. Here's Adam Fox with this week's Voices.com podcast. Well, howdy, folks, and welcome to another edition of the cast. Great interview last week with Bob. Just wanted to thank him again for taking the time. I know he's extremely busy. Uh, But on to today's topic. We've talked a lot about uh, how to put a spot together, and today I want to focus on one of those things that we just kind of brushed over when we first uh, took the topic on, and that is music production. Specifically, choosing the right music for the right spot. Now, how do you do something like that? Well, it seems like it might be pretty common sense, right? Well, let's just discuss a couple areas of that. Let's break it down into two pieces. The first piece is appropriateness. You want to make sure you're choosing an appropriate uh, piece of music for the project that you're working on. For instance, if you're doing a spot that's more emotionally involved and has a rich texture to it, you want to choose something that's going to be more appropriate and will go along with that. Uh, you certainly don't want to have uh, you know, Jamaican party crews playing in the background when you're talking about um, you know, the loss of a loved one or uh, you know, uh, planning for the future, things like that. You don't want to have something that's going to be completely uh, disingenuous. It's all about honesty here. And the second part we want to talk about is once you have your appropriate piece of music, you want to make sure that it's actually something that's going to um, fit. And yeah, that might sound the same as appropriate, but, but not really. You want to find something that's going to fit the mood Um, both in an appropriate manner and also in a manner that will help the job itself flow better. We've all heard the spots. Somebody, you know, puts together some cheesy organ music and uh, throws it in the background and, and they're talking about a financial business or something that could be, you know, very important that somebody wants to really hear and uh, pay attention to. And all of a sudden they hear this cheesy soundtrack in the background and it makes them think, oh gosh, you know, that's a real two-bit outlet. Why would I want to take my uh, my important decisions to this particular company if they can't even put a commercial together the right way and make it sound um, as if it was done by a professional? Professional. A lot of things to consider, aren't there? So uh, let's let's talk about appropriateness for a minute here. How do you go about finding an appropriate piece of music? Well, you know, believe it or not, every single one of you out there has that within you. 
Uh, we all have those things. It's, they're tied to our memories. We know uh, just instinctively as human beings that uh, when you're on the beach, there's a certain type of music that plays. And, of course, we have um, a variety of different musical tastes, and certainly that's not something to be uh, discouraged. I mean, it's all about that diversity. Uh, however, you know, there are, even within your own uh, musical tastes, there are appropriate things and inappropriate things. Like, you wouldn't be on the beach and hearing, um, not to be somber, but you wouldn't hear a death march when you were sitting on the beach. Most people, the common public, and, and certainly there's always room on the fringes, but most people are going to hear uh, beach music. Maybe they took a trip to Jamaica and that's what they're hearing. Early, my earlier reference to the Jamaican beach party. Or maybe they hear the Beach Boys. Maybe sometime when they were growing up, uh, it was all about the Beach Boys and that's what they heard and that's what they remember uh, as being uh, tied to that memory. It's all about memory, right? Well, believe it or not, that's what the advertisers are going for too. Advertisers, when they put their pieces of, of uh, work together, are hoping to tie into that most basic instinct that will trigger us to impulse buy or to impulse uh, decide about something. That's what advertising the basis of it is all about, getting you to either buy or use their product or service. So the quicker that they can focus in on that and the quicker that they can get you to make that decision, the better it is for them. And when you do something like that, they're also hoping that the percentages are going to be up there a little more too for their returns. Now, let's talk about the appropriateness as it relates to uh, helping the job flow more. We have our appropriate piece of music. We Let's just take our beach scene. And we have our beach scene and we have that music that is uh, going to touch the hearts and minds of those that target audience that we're trying to get. Now, let's think about how we're going to put that into the spot. Are we going to perhaps try to contact the artist and license that actual piece of music? Um, boy, that's sure the quickest way to get somebody's attention, isn't it? Or are we going to try to find somebody that maybe uh, can play something that's very similar to that or put something together that's similar to that and won't necessarily get tied up in copyright infringement and those kinds of legal issues? Boy, I tell you, you can do that either very right or very wrong. There are people that can really get that flavor uh, out of of the piece of music that they're submitting to you and that you're using in the ad without copyright infringement and all those other legal uh, tie-ups that can be done. Plus, a lot of advertisers, goodness, you know, they don't have the money um, that a Pepsi-Cola or a Coca-Cola has um, or or any other of the major companies that are licensing things like Oldsmobile licensing the Led Zeppelin songs. A lot of advertisers don't have that kind of cash to put in for something like that. So they go with the next best thing. Well, you know, how do you choose something like that? Well, if you're not the one who's actually doing the production itself, you know, this is a, a a topic that's very near and dear to my heart, being a musician and, and having spent so much time as a, a musician on the road and in studios and, uh, you know, also being a producer of uh, not only audio segments and commercials, but, you know, music. That's how I started uh, my time in the producer's chair was uh, producing albums. So take some time. Think these two things through whenever you get any type of a, a project that's going to involve any kind of music. Think about appropriateness. Um, and then break that down into appropriate for the spot as far as the type of music goes and appropriate as far as um, your your professional, your level of professionalism with that music and, and making sure that it's going to represent the customer uh, as best as possible and that's the most important thing because you know they're putting their name on this thing they're paying you to put the spot together and the best thing you can do is represent them as professionally and as high dollar as possible for the most money uh, that they're investing into it it's all about uh, being able to be productive and turning that around and giving them the bang for the buck if you do that they'll come back you know I find that quite often they'll come back because they find that you can come to you to 
uh, an understanding with them. You have an understanding of what they're wanting. You have an understanding of how they work and how they do their business. And you can also provide the goods and you got the tools to do it. So that's the best thing you can uh, possibly try to achieve with these spots when you're doing musical uh, production to boot. Well, folks, I hope that clears up a couple of things. I uh, just wanted to cover those things. I think it's an important topic, and certainly anybody who's doing uh, full production as opposed to just voicing things over in a dry uh, capacity uh, can learn something from that. It's, it's, uh, it's an important topic, and a lot of people take it for granted because they just assume if you're a producer and if you're putting these full spots together that you're going to know what you're doing. And uh, it's always good to have some more tools and and maybe a fresh perspective on things. And I want to thank everybody for your cards and letters. Last week's interview sure gave me a flood of... responses just everybody just really enjoyed it it's really a wonderful thing to be able to get perspective from people like that and understand uh, how long some of us have been in the business and uh, just how long we've been doing it and because we all develop our own little different technical tricks and and our methodologies for doing things we've all got presets in our software of how we like our mic chain or uh, how we like to uh, loop things or you know I've, I've just found that everywhere I go Um, and I don't see any signs of that slowing down or stopping. So if you're interested, and you're working, and you'd like to do an interview like that, just shoot me an email. You can drop me one here at the Voices.com website at adamfox.voices.com or at my website at defiantdigital.com. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. We can do this thing all over the email, and I'll go ahead and put all the pieces together, and we'll get you some exposure out there. And and I just love chatting with different people. I think it's a a wonderful thing to do and to share with the community. So uh, thanks again for listening, folks. Keep those cards, letters, and everything else coming this way. Thanks to Stephanie and the entire cast at Voices.com. They're really doing a great thing. And boy, they're spreading out into other podcasts and the whole shebangabang. So uh, we'll just see this thing growing. And uh, I'm just glad to be a part of it. Thanks for letting me into your homes. Till next time, bye for now. Thank you, Adam. As always, you can hit Adam up with your feedback in Podmail at adam at defiantdigital.com. Voxbox, sharing your audio feedback. In the Voxbox today, I'd like to remind everyone that there is going to be a special episode of Vox Talk arriving between episode 39, that's this episode, and episode 40. This Friday, July 27th, we'll be airing the 62nd Pitch Awards show via the Vox Talk podcast feed. Stay subscribed to find out who the winners are and to keep receiving Vox Talk. Don't forget to tune in to the 60-Second Pitch Awards show this Friday. If you want to go listen to the finalists, you can do so right now by going to Voices.com slash 60SecondPitch slash finalists.html. Now, don't worry about it. That'll be in the show notes for this episode. At any rate, if you haven't yet subscribed, go to podcast.voices.com slash VoxTalk or track us down in the Apple iTunes podcast directory by searching for VoxTalk or my name, Stephanie Cicerelli. Bye for now. <laughs>